Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with visionary composer, improviser, and percussionist Adam Rudolph. We reached out about his newest 2019 CD called Ragmala, Go, Organic Orchestra, and Brooklyn Raga Massive, an album that bridges generations, cultures, and traditions in a deep-rooted, forward-looking sound born of 21st century innovation and hybrid voices. Over the past four decades, he has released more than 30 recordings under his own name and performed with Don Cherry, Sam Rivers, Faroa Sanders, Wadada Leo Smith, Philip Glass, along with touring and recording extensively for 25 years with the legendary Youssef Latif. It's a revelatory sort of interview, and there's a lot to dig, so please dig it. Adam, thank you for taking a minute out to talk with me on jazz. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So let's talk about this wonderful new album, Ragmala, Go, the Organic Orchestra, and the Brooklyn Raga Master. Talk to me about this project and what the vision was for it. The broader term vision is that I've been developing my concept and approach in the Go Organic Orchestra since uh, 1999, and have done, uh, I think this was the 11th or 12th release of that, pro- of that uh, group, that project. Uh, I teach organic orchestra projects all over the world, um, but uh, my home base ensemble is in New York City since 2005. So uh, one of the violinists in the orchestra is also part of the Brooklyn Rod Massive, and she uh, has been advocating for us to do something together. So we did a concert last year, and uh, it was extremely successful. And so I was ready to record. I had developed a lot of new music for the orchestra and uh, was ready to record, and I thought it would be really interesting to do the project with them. Uh, so that's sort of the linear answer. So before we get into you, talk to me kind of about the history of this outfit and kind of how it came about and kind of the history. The music I'm involved in, sometimes people call it jazz, sometimes people call it world music, sometimes people call it improvisational music. The fact of the matter is I don't really agree with any of those terms or categories, uh, which is something we could uh been to if you're interested, but I, um, of course, categories in general uh, don't really sit well with artists, uh, at least with me. Part of what the tradition I came up in, the so-called jazz tradition, is, it's an oral tradition, and that is uh, um, the way musicians develop is under the mentorship and playing in the ensembles of older musicians. So my mentors, uh, going back to Chicago, where I grew up on the south side, with Malawi Nerudin, Anderson, in Detroit with Charles Moore and Kenny Cox, and then later with Don Cherry, uh, you know, and then Sam Rivers, Bill um, uh, Sanders, and then most importantly, he is my mentor was Yusuf Latif since 1988, up until he passed in 2012. So the reason I mention those people is that they were my mentors, and in uh, just before 2000s. There were a lot of musicians starting to come to me and wanted to sort of learn and glean some things, uh, uh, receive some transmission from me of what I had been doing. So I was trying to think of a vehicle to do that. Um, the musicians were from so-called classical backgrounds, uh, jazz backgrounds, world music backgrounds. There was a lot of them. So this is what I was thinking in Los Angeles, Venice, California. I started thinking about how, and I was also always interested in how we could create a larger ensemble format. I've always loved orchestral music for improvisers. So that's how I first started the idea of Go Organic Orchestra at that time as a way 
that could hold and encourage and inspire musicians from any kind of background, whatever kind of background, whatever level of experience, could create music together. And that was my idea, and that still is sort of the guiding light. I had also studied many, many years. I lived in Africa. I studied tabla for 20 years. I played in gamelan. So I have enough study of music from various cultures as well as European classical music and and so-called jazz to be able to create the forum for all of these musicians to coexist and co-create and create something prototypical. So let's go back to your beginning. You said you grew up in Chicago. That's right. So I guess I have to start as everybody does with their parents. And my parents and my father especially were huge, huge music fans. My father took me to see Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, uh, George Schulte conducting the Chicago, Prince Reiner Chicago, conducting the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, Stan Getz, Max Roach, and so on. So I got exposed to a lot of live music and recorded music. I did take classical piano as a kid. Um, but right away, I was composing music, and after, unfortunately, my piano teacher didn't really understand or appreciate what I was doing, and I got I kind of got sick of it and quit. So I actually started playing music myself in the park. Uh, I grew up in an area called Hyde Park on the south side of Chicago. A lot of my neighbors were from the AACM. I don't know if you're familiar with that, the Art Ensemble of Chicago, Air Trio, and they were my neighbors. They, they lived right nearby. And also a lot of the great blues musicians, Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, Otis Spann, they were my neighbors too. So I was exposed to really incredible depth of, uh, of African-American music and started playing uh, hand drums, uh, playing in the park um, with a bunch of drummers. A lot of them ended up playing in Earth, Wind and & Fire and groups like that. That's how I started, and immediately I became very interested in Afro-Cuban and Haitian drumming, African drumming. Uh, like that. So very, very rich, fertile place and time kind of came together. It was one of those kind of like Montmartre in Paris for the artists. It was the late 60s, early 70s, and Hyde Park was just incredible. Uh, I could go hear the Art Ensemble. I could go hear Max Roach. I could go hear Howlin' Wolf. You know, it was it was very inspiring. And I was lucky to find a great hand drum teacher uh, who really got me uh, playing uh, correctly. And um, so, yeah, that was it. So did you always know that you were going to be a musician? Well, I would say always as in from my teenage years. When I started playing hand drums, I just fell in love. I was kind of also very interested in visual arts, and I still do paint uh, and, and draw to this day. But I thought I was going that way. But I was really, when I heard the Art Ensemble of Chicago the first time, it was transformative. They really showed me that anything you can imagine to do as an artist, you can do. The orchestration, the construct of the music, it was wide open, you know. So, and then, yeah, as soon as I started playing hand drums, I was really taken with it. There's something magical about, uh, I guess people call it skin-on-skin, membrane-on-membrane. There's really some incredible knowledge in a way that's transmitted through the touch of the skin and actually manipulating the skin of a hand drum uh, to create different overtones and sounds and playing the languages of those. And so that was very inspiring to me. It is interesting, though, that at that young age, there were not a lot of percussionists around, and or most of them were playing folkloric music. And right from the get-go, 
my intuition led me to believe that it inspired me to want to develop a language on hand drums where I could play the creative music that I want to play. In other words, play the music of my environment where I grew up in. And that was somewhat unprecedented. Um, later on, I discovered great hand drummers like M. Tume and Don Elias and Big Black, but it was fairly a uh, radical idea. And it's just interesting that that was my uh, some kind of intuition um, at that time. So what did you learn over the years of playing with masters and innovators like Yusef Latif and Don Cherry and Sam Rivers? What did they give you? Um, that's a good question. I think about it more in terms of um, transmission and a lot of what they what I learned from them, um, although I learned a lot for, from Don Cherry, for example, about Ornette Coleman's homilotic concept. And I learned so much from Yusuf about how to work with intervals and compositional skills. But I think there's something more significant than that. Sometimes I look at it this way. I think about uh, the, the what and the how and the why. So the what is, is the music that you're attracted to, your, your environment, the style of music that's around you. Um, but the how is certainly more significant of what I learned from these mentors. The how has to do with process. It has to do with having the, the courage, cultivating the courage, cultivating the imagination, cultivating intuition uh, to be able to generate your music and work with the elements, understanding about the pure elements of music that are universal and how to work with them. That's process. How has to do with process. And then the deeper one, I think, has to do with the transmission and maybe the most significant things that I learned from these mentors. I kind of call it the why. And the why has to do with the mysticism of sound. It has to do with the uh, motivations of human beings, uh, the, the development of creative imagination. Creative imagination is, a, is actually a birthright of every human being. Uh, whatever religion or language or wherever you're born, uh, that varies. But I think creative imagination is something um, that's um, universal. So the cultivation of that and the idea of developing one's own voice and being true to your vision and going as far into your idea of what it is you 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 can you can imagine to do as an artist those are the in the in the realm of the why the deeper mysticism and so being around Yusuf Latif and Don Cherry and Charles Moore and so on those artists um it was more being around them and seeing how they lived that really uh, uh had a huge impact on me i could answer the question in another way to say that we move from the, that inspiration that you receive from the elders um, in this music, in the oral tradition of this music, is a motivator to move from, uh, I call it, um, being a musician, uh, 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 which is um, a professional kind of attitude, and moving from there to um, playing music, which comes into the playful, creative aspect of music, which is about the love of it, which has nothing to do with professionalism. And then finally, I think the eventual evolution is into being music. And what I mean by being music is that I learned 
people know this, like when they read about John Coltrane, for example, that he was a mystical, he was a mystic. But um, Don Cherry, Yusuf Latif, they were they were like that also. They were music. What I mean by that is they lived a life where they were in tune, they were in harmony, they were in rhythm. You know, this is how we all, we can be music without actually being musicians, right? We all are striving to be in tune and in harmony and uh, uh, in rhythm. And this is this is a way of living uh, uh, with creative action, uh, I think is available to uh, every human being, in fact. And that's a great answer. For the past four decades, 30-plus recordings. I want to know, what's the, what, what do you like best about being a musician? Well, it, that's a good question, too, and that, that sort of links into the answer of my last one. I mean, it is a, there's a way, like I said, when you, be, when you move into the transcendental aspects of what it means to be involved in music as a sound maker, um, it really becomes your path. You know, it becomes your, uh, like, for example, I studied tablas uh, for over 20 years with a great master, Pandit Taranath Rao. And he used to say to me that in India, music is considered one of the forms of yoga. You know, yoga is not just hatha yoga, but there's many kinds of yoga. Yoga means limbs. Yoga means the connection of body and mind and spirit. And so looking at music from that point of view, um, it's really been a, a vehicle for personal evolution for me, and it's also been a, it's a mirror also because it shows you a lot about where, where you're at. And, of course, music ultimately, one thing I learned when I lived in Ghana in 1977 that I something I learned that I had suspected already. Music comes from something greater than music, and music is about something, or can be about something more than music. It's a vehicle, but what those things are—that's the mystery, and that mystery connects to the mystery or the idea of the flow of what exists, and and has to do with the whole philosophical, applied philosophy of living, a lived philosophy how we choose to live, I would say. As far as you're mentioning all the recordings that I've done, uh, one thing I'll say in terms of respecting change and desiring evolution as an artist, with every record I've done, I try to do something that I've never done before. Um, there's a lot of pressure, of course, when people love something. Like This record has been kind of beloved, and I've already finished mixing my next record, which is very different, you know? So the pressure is there, not really, but people do, when they love you for one thing, uh, they want you to do more of it. But if you're an evolutionist in music, if, you're, if, you're, if you're, it's your nature to change and grow and experiment, if that's the naturalness of how you are, then you have to acknowledge that. So with every record I've ever done, I try to do something I've never done before. Right on. So... I want to know this. Everyone has their version or, to, or their perception of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans, but you know uh, yourself best. You're leading your life. Who do you think you are? Man, you're asking these questions that are like really, that's a great question. It's very, it's very deep 
That's a philosophical question, right? I mean, that's that's a question about the meaning of life. Yeah, I mean, or another way to ask that question is who's thinking the thought, right? And so you're really, you're really, your question really goes into the realm of the mystery of who we are. I mean, that, that's how I'm taking the question anyway. I mean, you know, where where were we before we were born, and what happens after death? And these are, of course, the perennial questions that have uh, ever since human beings have had the kind of self-awareness and uh, human consciousness that we've we and we don't know. So my the ego tells us that yes, I'm a musician. I'm a, you know, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a son, I'm a, you know, a, a hand drummer, I'm a conductor, I'm a composer, blah, blah, blah. But that's not, of course, we're, those are the things we do. That's what I say when I said about being music and being in tune, being in harmony. That has to do with tuning to nature itself. It has, it has nothing to do really with religion. It has to do with acknowledging the mystery, because nobody really knows. If they know the answers to these things, then they're trying to sell you something. That's my opinion about it. So being in love with the mystery and acknowledging the process of tuning ourselves to nature, in Tao they call it the chi, right? The all, all of what is as it flows and changes. So you know, we flow and change. It's autumn here right now, right? It's getting cold. I mean, the cycles, uh, the seasons change. Uh, trees, grow, the plants are are dying till next year. And this is the nature of who we are, too. And to acknowledge change and celebrate the mystery uh, and the not knowing um, and trying to be in tune with with that. And that that's what I'm saying about the music feeds into that and also who we are in terms of our awareness feeds into the music also. This is why music is this incredible thing, because we, we are, it's, it's about vibration. Everything is vibrating. I mean, this, I don't want to say it like a cliche, but anybody who's thought about it uh, or read any basic scientific knowledge understands that most of what we perceive as physical reality are uh, things vibrating at different rates. There's everything from a rock is vibrating, and it's actually mostly space, really, to thoughts are vibrations, too, and feelings are vibrations, also. So all of these ideas, the, the, in the deeper sense of what is, is vibrations moving at various rates. So what happens when there's this intentionality of my hand striking a drum, right? And that sets those vibrations in motion. Or if I do a conducting gesture, with my Go Organic Orchestra, and it sets these vibrations. Those vibrations go into the air, they pass through the air, and they, they, they come to somebody's ear, right? And, and, they, and the thing is, those vibrations have an intentionality and sometimes even have an emotional feeling dynamic associated with them, and then somebody can actually be touched by it and moved by it, and there's a feeling associated with it. You can cry, right, when you listen to music. That's like a miracle, right? That's amazing. Absolutely. Again, what a wonderful answer. Adam, thank you for taking some time out today to talk about this wonderful new album, about your career and your insights. I really appreciate it. Well, my pleasure. I guess I didn't. I mean, your, your questions were led me to, I mean, we, to the, the nature of the conversation we had. Of course, 
you know, I should add, I, I think before we go, you know, I just want to add that, uh, just say something about the incredible musicians in the Go Organic Orchestra who I've worked with Absolutely. over all of these years, and the incredible artistry of the musicians in the Brooklyn Raga Massive and sort of the open-mindedness and talent and creative uh, energies that everybody put into, um, you know, helping us realize the vision of this uh, of this music. So, and also that, of course, I don't know how you, if you add this later, but, you know, with, we're hoping that people who listen to this will go to the Meta Records Bandcamp page and, and listen to the music and purchase it and support it and, you know, help us keep, keep on, keep on going. Not as a charity, for it, but for their own, you know, if their own, if they're intrigued, just so they know the music is available. You know, that's the, we got to do that part two, right? Thanks, Joe. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in Chicago, Detroit, New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Adam for his time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.